All right. Well, God is good. It's good to see you here. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, if you will, and we're going to go into the Old Testament after we go to the New Testament. And we're going to start off in John chapter 5, so we're going to start. And since this is Old Fashioned Sunday, I, I got online trying to think of, of things that the kids do uh, nowadays compared to what kids do, done back like when I was growing up. But let me, let me read over some things that I remember as a kid. Now, some of you think that I'm really young, and some of okay, none of you think I'm really young, but some of you know I'm younger than you, then others of you think I'm kind of antiquated, but, and it may be true, but let me go over some things that I remember as a kid growing up. I remember cassette, cassette tapes. I remember eight track tapes. I remember Reel to Reel. My dad used to record his little devotionals on Reel to Reel and take it to the radio station, and, and they would, doesn't matter. Uh, pedal cars. How many of you ever had a pedal car? Now, today, they make them out of cheap stuff. Back in the day, the pedal car weighed about 300 pounds, and you got in it, and you had to pedal it. It was, Google it, all right. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, when it was summertime, when I got up in the morning, I didn't come in because mom said I had to come in and eat because I was going to be out all day long. Yeah, I had rust behind my ears. I had a rusty neck. How many of y'all know what a rusty ears and rusty neck is? How many of you have no clue what a rusty neck and a rusty ear? This is what happens. When you are a kid and you play outside all the time, you get dirt in all kinds of places. And if you're a fourth grader, a third grader, a first, second kindergartner, you know how to avoid baths at any cost. So what happens if you avoid enough baths, you get these little lines back here, and your neck turns brown, and behind your ears gets nasty. My mom would come in in the fourth grade and have to scrub me because i just get in and get out. I remember going to youth camp. Youth camp. Some of you have really lost hope in your kids because they don't like to take showers when they're 13. That was never me, of course. But... <clears throat> I'd play outside till it got dark, and I would get nasty, and my ears and neck would just, was just dirty. I would climb trees and jump out of them with umbrellas. If I could sneak a sheet out or a pillowcase, I would jump out of them with that. Anybody ever done that? Let me, I'll give you some comparisons in a minute. We played hide-and-seek. We loved playing hide-and-seek. We loved to play hide-and-seek so much we could live and do it. And people, we would stay hit for an hour, and no one could find us. How about kick the can? Anybody ever heard of kick the can? That doesn't mean kick somebody. It means you kick a can, all right? It doesn't matter. All right. Uh, you used to swing on a rope. You knew all of your neighbors. You knew every kid. And when you didn't have somebody your age, you taught the boys how to play ball. You got them on the basketball court. And if you had two or three bigger guys, you would mix up the little guys with the big guys. We learned to play all day. And if we weren't on the basketball court or in the creek kitchen, crawdads and salamanders or water dogs or, or anything else we could catch or minnows, man, we were on our bikes riding until the day ended. Always. We lived. We enjoyed it. We built our own tree houses. I remember building tree houses with finished nails, 16 pennies, number eight, screws, driving screws. It didn't matter. If it would hold a board up for a 60-pounder, we were in them. My dad didn't have to build me no tree house. How many of y'all remember going to Grandma's house and going through that one drawer had all the treasures in it? Y'all remember that? She had her little box of tricks. That drawer had all the stuff. And you go through it, Grandma, can I have this? Some of you have lived a sheltered life and you've never lived yet. Uh, how many remember black and white TV? How many used to hit the TV to get the picture to straighten up? Tinfoil on the rabbit ears. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Living the real life. Cowboys and Indians. We didn't play some of the stupid things kids play today. We knew how to play Cowboys and Indians. James Red Cloud. Girls played hopscotch. And the boys thought they were stupid. Us boys got marbles. And we would shoot marbles or trade marbles. or We got dirty. 
this is the biggest thing I, I will say about kids. When I was growing up, we got sweaty. We got sweaty because we exerted our energy. Let me tell you what happens to the generations today. They have sore thumbs. They like tablets, and I'm not talking about the paper type of tablets. They like iPads. What a lame life. They like hours of gaming, stupid video games. Really? Wow, that is so exciting. I remember coming home years ago one time, and Tyson goes, Dad, I've got $300,000 in money. And now this was before he got into his bad days. He was like 12 or 13. I thought, how in the world? He goes, I'm fat and need for speed, man. I'm dominating this game. I'm going, anyway, stupid video games. Hours set up all night to 2, 3 in the morning playing whatever games they can play. CDs, you get on Google. You like to sleep a lot. You watch TV a lot. You like to text a lot. You like to Facebook a lot. You like to Snapchat a lot. You like to tweet a lot, just like our president. Tweet a lot. You know what you accomplish? Little. You know how often you sweat from walking to the car to walking in the house. Carrying the trash out is a chore for mom to do, not for kids to do today. Good gravy. That's ridiculous. I should have to carry the trash out or go milk the cow or milk the goat or feed the chicken or slop the hog. That's just crazy. I shouldn't have to sweat. Now, some of you may take a little offense to that, but you see the comparison. You see the contrast of 30 years ago, 40 years ago compared to the last 10. We live in a time of comparisons, and, and this morning I want to talk to you about your life, and I want you to look at some people in, in the Scripture. I'm going to do some comparisons to making comparisons. I'd like you to go to John chapter 5, and then we'll be going over to Mark chapter 10. John chapter 5, I've actually used this passage not too long ago, but um, I want to give you the perspective of someone who had a wrong perspective in the way life was going for him. So John chapter 5 and verse 2 says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep market pool, uh, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at the certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever the first was after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which he had an infirmity for 30 and 8 years. Now I'm going to stop here for a second. Wednesday night we were talking about the life of Christ and who he was and, and how things operate and his life wasn't real normal, it was different in some ways. But here we have a guy who's been here for 38 years for 38 years, and we know that Jesus was about 31 years old at this time when he went by and he saw this. And he's seen a guy there who had been there all these years, and I wonder how many times as a kid did Jesus walk by there and see the same guy? He's seen him there, he's seen him there. Every time he went to, the, he went to that area, he went by the sheep gate, if, if you will. He looked in there and he saw the same guy for 38 years that was there. But something was different about Jesus now. And so Jesus goes up to him, verse 6, And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. And he said unto him, because I think that Jesus had seen him there many times before. And he said, Will you be made whole? And the impotent man said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in. And to the pool while I am coming, another steps in. And Jesus told him to rise up and take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. And this is the point. This guy was completely unaware of who Jesus was. Now you may think that's, that's not a big deal, but that's a big deal. 
He had no clue. He had been there for 38 years. He had been in the same frame of mind. He had thought the same. He expected the same. When he got up in the morning, he said, I'll go back down to the pool. I'll sit there all day, wait for the troubling of the water. I'll talk to Joe and Jim and Jack and Fred and Bertha and everybody else. We'll sit and talk. We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about the rain we're getting today. Boy, we sure needed it, didn't we? We'll talk about the dinner afterwards they're having down at the other, one of the other porches after lunch we're having. I'm making this up as I go. But they talked about everything else except expecting what he really needed. But did he really need it in his own eyes? He'd been there for 38 years, he was lame, he was comfortable, and life was as usual. He had no one to help him, that was always his response. But the thing that was different about this guy than, than the second guy we're going to go to is this guy didn't know who Jesus was, but Jesus knew who he was. And I want you to stay with me for just a minute. You may be here this morning, and you may not have any desire for, for the Lord or Jesus in your life, and, and you may think, well, I'm happy with my life the way it is. And, and here's the thing about ever becoming content in this journey. When you get settled where you are, you become just like blind, not blind Bartimaeus, because that's where we're going. You're just like the man in John in chapter 5. You get content with, with the way things are, and you never see that there's anything different. And I think this applies to every one of us. We come to church every week. What do we expect? Now let me ask every one of you, what did you come expecting this morning? Did you really anticipate hearing a word? Did you really anticipate hearing worship? Did you just come for the social aspects of it, or did you come because there's something that needs to change a little bit more in your life? And it may not even be that you're bad or that anything's horrible in your life, but something is missing because we all have something missing that we need more of. So it was unusual, and Jesus was sick of his excuse. And in verse 8, and he said, just get up and walk. And it was the Sabbath, and that said a whole lot of other things in, in, in motion. But the main issue was this. This guy was unaware who Jesus was. He was comfortable the way he was. And he always had an excuse for why he was stuck there. Go to Mark, if you will, in chapter 10. Let me give you a big difference of two people. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. And they came to Jericho and went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was who? When he heard that it was Jesus, when he heard that it was Jesus, he couldn't see him because he was blind, but he knew who was coming by. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Why was it important that he said, thou son of David? Because he hadn't just heard of him, he knew who he was. He knew that he was the Messiah. He knew he was the descendant from the lineage of David. He knew the history of Jesus. And I don't believe that he thought that day as he sat by the roadside, he thought Jesus was coming. He just went to where he normally went. The only thing different was this day he heard about somebody that he was aware of. And you may have been hearing about God and Christianity and church and all these things for years and years. But at this morning, the Lord is speaking to you that this is the time for you to respond. And you can't be quiet. You can't say, Lord, just do it on the inside. There's a time that we have to say, Lord, do it on the outside. And Bartimaeus was desperate. And as he, he began to cry out and say, David, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many of them charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to, unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, and he called thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose, and he came to Jesus. And let me give you the, the comparison. Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was. That's why he was listening. 
He didn't want to have to stay the way he had always been for years. He was desperate to be, and he became vocal. And you know, sometimes in our life we have to get desperate, and when we become vocal. Have you ever been trying to talk to somebody, and you have to get loud just to get their attention? You know, y'all know I've had the girls the last three days while while my wife and and Lana were gone. And and the first night we were here, I'll tell you a real quick story. And and I could probably tell you many, but I'm just going to tell you this one. Uh, I had the girls in there. All three of them were in the living room. And and I went back to get a diaper or something for Sophie. She probably was treating me really good. And so whatever happened, and all of a sudden I hear a thud on the coffee table. And I hear one girl go, and I go running in there, and I look, and Maisie's got blood coming out of her mouth, and, and she does these little gymnastic things like this. I won't do it, but she does like this from the feet on the couch, hands on the table, and she does this stuff that she does. Well, guess what? Her hand slipped and face planted on the table. So I went and got a washcloth, cleaned her mouth, and wiped the blood up, laid her on the couch, put the washcloth on her mouth. And so I'm thinking, okay, everything's good, you know. I got to go get something again. And I walk in the room, bam, on the same table. Wow! Papa, now this time it's London. I don't know why she done it. I don't know why she tried to be like Maisie. But I walk in there, London, and face planted on the same table. I don't know why. All I know is this. There was one name they could call at that moment because they knew the resource wasn't within themselves. And both of them yelled for Papa. London, I swatted her on the tail and told her, what is you doing on that table? You just seen her break her face. Why in the world would you get up there as a two-year-old? You should know better than that. So I put her in the, in the recliner, and she cried over there for a little bit. Let me get back to my message. <laughs> the first guy, Jesus had to get his attention. The second guy got Jesus' attention. Folks, there is such a difference in these two guys. And there's such a difference many times as us at different times in our life. But we have to at some point to look at ourselves and see where we are on this journey. I'm going to move quick. Comparisons. The man that was lame and Bartimaeus. Jesus went to him because he knew who he was. And he said, man, what do you need? I'd like you to go to the book of Genesis, if you will, in chapter 25. I'm going to give you a comparison of two other people. Genesis chapter 25. It seems like I had these, these times that I, I make reference to certain people a whole lot for a month or two. Then I kind of leave them for a year. Then I kind of come back and, and re- refresh some different opinions and different views on them. But in the book of Genesis, chapter 25, we have a brother by the name of Esau. And his brother by the name of Esau, uh, verse 30, chapter 25, verse 32, And Esau said, Behold, I, I am at, at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright be to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore to him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did it and drink, and he rose up and went his way, and thus Esau despised his birthright. There's a lot of details to that. I won't, I won't go into all that, but I will say this. Hasty decisions will always cost you something. I want your attention for a minute. Hasty decisions will always cost you something. And it always costs you something that was once precious. When you get into making hasty decisions, you make decisions that are very immature and things that have no benefit. Chapter 26 and verse 34. And Esau was 40 years old when he took the wife Judith, the daughter of Barry the Hittite, and Bashemath, who in the world, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and which were a grief of mine into Isaac and Rebekah. I want to stop there for a second. In the next chapter, the whole scenario about the deception between uh, Jacob and Esau, not only getting the birthright, but now the blessing. And you would think that, why would Esau think? And let me say this to each of us. 
When you live a life that you know is opposing and you, know, and you allow things in your life that you know is contrary to being right and you allow wrong things and you just embrace them and you don't think it's a big deal like Esau, how is it that we still expect the favor? How is it that we still expect the blessing? How is it that we still expect God to, to bring the right things into our life when we don't embrace the right things? It doesn't work that way. But Esau himself married some women from other nationalities and from other religions that was opposing to his parents. And then chapter 27 is all about the blessing. The blessing was something that only the father could give. In the last part of chapter 27, verse 38 through 41, Esau desires the blessing, but he couldn't get it. He wasn't deserving of it. And in our lives, neither are we. How can we expect God to bless us when we continue to do things that do anything but embrace his blessing? Chapter 28, he still wanted it. But he would not submit to the things God would want him to do for him to have that leadership. Go to Luke, if you want, chapter 15. I'm going to ask you to get the video ready, if you don't mind, Missy. Misty. Luke, chapter 15. It's a passage that, if you've been here very long, it gets used a lot. I think there's so many applications to Luke 15. <clears throat> I'm going to compare the difference between Esau and the prodigal. The prodigal was a guy who, who woke up. I want you to start the video and... Some of you are thinking, that was so random. Man, I can so see Dwight doing the exact same thing. Here's the thing. In chapter 15, we have a guy. Chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. Let me ask you, did you notice how long he stayed in the mud when he fell in it? How many of you have ever raised hogs? If you've ever had hogs and you get out with them, have you ever noticed how nosy they are? They won't leave you alone just like this one. And they never smell, there's never been around hogs that ever smelled good. They all have a great aroma to them. I'm almost done. Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. 
And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods and that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And how many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country. And there wasted his substance with righteous, riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. He began to be in one. When he went to the citizen, uh, himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him in his fields to feed swine. He would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave him to eat. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have enough bread to spare, and I'll perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and, and before thee I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Verse 20. And he arose, and he came to the father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm going to stop there, because this is what I want to talk about just for a moment. Uh, he was hasty. The first guy was. His name was Esau. He made a lot of blunders with his life. The second guy uh, was the same way. He made hasty decisions, a poor decision, went out and squandered it all. He lived disrespectfully. He saw his reflection in the pen, pig pen one day, and when he saw it, this is what he said. I may have ended up in this pig pen, but I refuse to stay there. And here's the difference between Esau and him. Esau stayed in the same pig pen. And I don't care how stubborn you are, how much you know, how much you, you think that you've experienced. If you make a determination, I'm going to stay the way I am, then friend, you will always be stuck in the same mentality and the same way you live. The guy in this particular story got in the pig pen and said, I may be here, but I'm not staying here. The same way with the pig farmer. He got in the middle of it, but he said, there's no way I'm staying because it's still a choice. It still is. Every one of us, it all boils down to comparing where I want to be and where I'm not going to go. And the last place I'm going to go is in the book of James. And I'm going to, this is going to be kind of a weird ending to this, but this is where I feel like I need to go. How many of you have ever had problems with your mouth? And I don't mean a tooth. I don't mean with, with something like that. I mean with your mouth. Go to James chapter 3, if you will. I want to do a comparison about is it possible for us to learn to control our tongue? Is it possible for us to learn to, to walk in obedience and, and learn how to say the right things and not the wrong things? In James chapter 3, and verse 2 says, In many things we offend all, and many, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn, and we turn about their whole body. We also be, behold also ships, which so they be so great, they are turned with, driven with fierce winds, yet they are turned with a very small helm, which is these, whatever you call it on the bottom. I guess you said the fin, the helm. Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. And set it on fire the whole course of nature, and it is set on the fire of hell. Now, I want you to look at what this scripture is saying. In the book of James chapter 3, it's saying your tongue is unruly. It is not controllable. It's just the way man is. We have a big mouth. Women have big mouths. Men have big mouths. We say things and we start things that should never have been spoken. But according to scripture, if you want to do a comparison, in verse 8 it says, if you go to on a little farther to verse 8, it says that no man can calm it. No man can tame it. If you go to the book of Exodus, I want to show you something different in the eyes of the Lord. Exodus in chapter 4. I want you to find some music to get ready to play there. We're going to close here in just a second. In Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore. Let me just put it in our words. 
I've never been. Since you've spoken to me, your servant, I am slow of speech and I have a slow tongue. He can't talk. He doesn't have the ability to talk correctly. Like me, kind of this morning a little bit. Things aren't communicating good. I'm not a good communicator all the time. And Moses said, I can't speak things the way I really want to say them. I always mess them up and i got a stuttering problem. My tongue doesn't work with my brain. How many of you have ever engaged your tongue before you got your brain engaged? Anybody? How many of you ever got in trouble because you engaged your tongue before your brain? And that is what he is speaking about. But I want you to notice something in chapter 4. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made your mouth? Who has made the dumb, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your what? I will be with your mouth. And I want to stop for just a second right here, because a lot of us get caught up at times in our life. We think our mouth is uncontrollable, but yet it isn't. Our mouth many times is our greatest excuse for why we never overcome, and why we're always stuck back where we've always been stuck. But according to the book of Exodus in chapter 4 in the Old Testament, not the New, God spoke directly to Moses and said, let me tell you something, you can control your mouth. You can control your language and you can control the way your mouth works. In the book of Proverbs, and this is where we're going to close, and this is a, a very common passage. But with the mouth, every one of the people we've talked about either came to repentance and change or they stayed in the pig pen and stayed the way they have always been. The verse I'm about to read is not anything that most of you haven't heard many, many times. It's chapter 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And I'm going to reverse that. They that love the drama, they that love the wrong talking, they that love the profanity, those that love all the evil speaking, will eat the products and the fruit of it. Those that love life and encouragement and joy and peace and know how to encourage other brothers and speak the right things will enjoy the blessing of that. Your tongue just has two elements. It can be like the lame man or it can be like Bartimaeus. The lame man made excuse. Bartimaeus cried out to the Lord. You can go into the, the man by the name of Esau and his mouth got him always in trouble by choosing things he knew was wrong. Or you can be as, as the prodigal. He came back and repented. So let me ask you, how are you speaking? And what is the comparison in your life? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and just begin to play something, if you will. This is Old Fashioned Sunday and when you think of something that's old-fashioned, you look at where we are now to com compared to where we used to be. As I was thinking about things yesterday in, in church, and I remember what it's like. Just keep your heads bowed. Don't talk. We're going to close here really quick. I was thinking yesterday about old-fashioned to modern. I thought in here we have air conditions on every corner of this building. We have lights that work, lights that fade, lights that come on, lights that flash, lights that do about anything you can imagine, probably could do Morse code. We have comfortable seats. We have bathrooms that flush. We have anything you can imagine. And I remember being in service when we had hard wooden benches and straw floors, and the only air conditioning you got is when the Lord would send a breeze through it. The PA system stunk. Mus music was pretty limited. But the same things that happened in both is when people's hearts were right. The fruit of our lips are so critical, folks.